I don't know why this came into my memory, but um, when I first started dating my wife, Sarah, um, like, this is going somewhere, I promise. <clears throat> um, and it's good. It shouldn't make you too uncomfortable. But when I started dating her, um, some of you who know Sarah and I, uh, there's a little bit of an age difference. And so um, when I started dating her, um, I, had, I had a really good mentor who actually walked with me through my candidacy. That's like me becoming a pastor. And this mentor like had uh, kind of a counseling background as well as a pastoring background. And I really trusted this person and allowed that mentor to really speak into my life. And so I reached out to my mentor and I still remember where I was and everything. And I just wanted to call and I wanted to be like, hey, so... Um, I'm dating this really great girl and, um, and you know, like things are good, but like, she's a little bit younger and I won't do the math on stage for you, but you know, and I just want to be like, and I asked it, I said, are there any like yellow or red flags that you see going on here? Like, am I, am I losing it already? (laughs) You know? And, and my mentor, like just like very curtly, abruptly interrupted me and said, what, you finally found someone you don't have to fix? I was like, that wasn't my question. <laughs> like, where did, where did you come up with that? Like, you know, I'm talking about age, you know, like, <laughs> and um, <clears throat> anyhow, I was really kind of caught off guard. But um, so this mentor, like, knew my life, knew my terrible, terrible dating saga, uh, <laughs> and, and saw something in how I was behaving uh, in a dating relationship and also heard my words <clears throat> and knew something about this and actually affirmed something that God was doing in my life that, uh, that I had no idea myself. So I want to tell you a little bit more about that. But today, this Sunday, we're going to be diving the probe down to check your passion levels. That's right, your passion levels. And that may be throwing you off a little bit. So if it is, we've got you where, you where we want you. So let's go and let's dig in here. So what in the world does passion have to do with relationships? And if we're talking about passion like Socrates and Plato, that's a little awkward because that's mostly around romance and other things. But the bottom line is, as passion is, we'll unpack it today. And as Paul will point to in his letter to the Colossians, your capacity to have Good relationships with God and others is determined by your passion levels. Determined by your passion levels. Look what Paul says to the church in Colossae here. Paul is writing to this church specifically to really encourage them to live into their identity and to not get swayed. To not get swayed by all these voices, by all these um, influences saying, hey, you know what, like, if you really want to fo- say you're following God, you still got to do all these things. And, and Paul's just like, no, you got to live into what God's doing through Jesus, because he's the cornerstone. So in the third chapter here, he gives this extraordinary um, affirmation. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, 
Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There is not a single mention of passion, the word, anywhere in this text. And that's sometimes the problem when we're going to God's word and we're looking for something. We usually end up somewhere where the word is actually in the passage. But this is how God's word was intended to unfold and continue to flourish and grow in our hearts and our lives that we begin to see these big things that God is calling us to and then to see how those things are, are like underwriting the heartbeat of all of God's words. And this morning to see how God is using these words as Paul is putting them together and writing them to this community to incite passion. So not only to have the message of Christ within you, but to let it dwell among you, to live and breathe and thrive, to take being richly, richly, robustly, strongly, to let it be evident, to let it be something that that brings life to you that others see. So that as you teach and admonish, and by the way, that is the same thing as supporting and walking with someone and giving them guidance. Um, And to let that flow, not just, you know, through a daily or weekly check-in, but to let it become your song, to let it become your conversation, to let it be this spiritual uh, fervor that's going on. So, so you get what's going on here in this passion, and it's, um, and it's filled with this sense of gratitude, filled with this sense of gratitude. So Paul's really getting at this strong sense of gratitude and passion that, uh, that we're encouraged to have as we follow Christ, as we let his word re- have its way in us. When I was in college, though, um, I wish I would have, one, I wish I would have knew what my passions were a little bit more. Uh, I wish someone could have maybe, you know, just kind of sat me down and said, dude, you got to figure out a couple things before you go into college. Uh, I think my parents did on several occasions, and I just completely forgot it. Um, So, you know, good good luck seniors, you know, your parents are wiser than you think they are. Um, But you know what, like I, I went into college, and I didn't really know or choose to live into those passions. And what that set me up for was four agonizing years of, instead of me pursuing and living into the things that I loved and finally having this platform of openness where I could go forth and discover it, instead of pursuing the things that I loved, I spent four agonizing years chasing the things I thought I lacked. Instead of pursuing the things that I loved, that my heart beat for, I went chasing after all the things I thought I lacked. And I thought I lacked them because I kept looking around at what I thought everyone else had. And I kept looking around at what I thought would make me finally incredible or or awesome or good or successful and went chasing after it. 
to this day, I can still remember some of the initial friend groups that naturally uh, I fit into and got um, and got going with. And um, and I and I have some regret in that. I eventually did find some really incredible, solid friends in college, but um, there were several friend groups that I initially fell into who would have been great, great friends, who would have been a great support system, who would have maybe even helped me uh, say no to a couple things along the way. But I dismissed them because they weren't able to help me get or get me to what I thought I needed. And I dismissed him and I went on to others. And it's not really a great way to live. See, I wish I had more of that because uh, that, that passion and that drive and that, that acceptance of this is actually who I am and what I have already. Like God has made me um, unique and wonderful and, and deeply flawed, but you know what? Like, but alive and, and full of capacity. Because here is what passion does. Friends, passion is far more powerful than we think it is in relation to so many things, but especially relationships and especially as we move forward into um, the fuller sense of who we are post-graduation and and continuing even as adults to figure out (coughs) who in the world we are. Um, Number one, passion cultivates humility. Some of us might think that the antithesis or the opposite of passion is apathy or lifelessness or, uh, or something like that, but it is actually pride. Because, see, passion celebrates what it loves. Pride builds up what it loves. Passion cultivates humility, and humility is essential to relationships and to to, um, building connections, deep connections, real connections with others. Have you ever wondered why they call it the passion of Christ? Friends, it is not because Jesus was secretly like, oh yeah, it's time to go to the cross. Yeah, you know, like it's because, by the way, there is no equivalent for the word passion in our scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, um, there's, there's no word equivalent for what we now understand as passions because um, in philosophical studies, Plato, Socrates, you know, all those kind of philosophy fathers, um, passion uh, really related to your romantic life or even your sexual or your fetish life and, um, and it was even carried that way through most of scripture. But what, the, uh, what begins to evolve in this word passion, uh, it was in Latin that it first was, um, became like this word that was widely used. And um, believe it or not, now just stay with me here, but passion um, in Latin is to suffer. And so when we talk about the passion of Christ, it was actually the action of Jesus to go forward in his purpose to suffer. But what happens is, regardless of what level your passions are um, and what level your suffering is, when we are passionate about something, and this is kind of how it has come into the word that we are using it today, when you're passionate about something, you're willing to give of yourself for it. You're willing to give of yourself for it. And it's often very joyful, very exciting 
incredibly fulfilling. But when you're passionate, you're giving, just as Jesus gave his life for what he was passionate about, so are we invited to give. And friends, when your hands are open and giving, it's really difficult for you to be pulling and receiving and taking. When your hands are open and you're giving yourself to something, it lends itself naturally to humility. We're open when we are humble. And it is a beautiful thing to sense in a relationship, someone who is open to you. Number two, passion nurtures integrity. And you're like, I have no idea. Is he just making this up? I'm like, what's going on here? Passion nurtures integrity. Because when we begin to set our sights around something or towards something that is important and beautiful and worthy of our sacrifice, it begins to give us shape. And when something has shape, it is less easily shaken. It is less easily changed. It has integrity, and it maintains itself. To live with passion will allow you in your life and your relationships to stay pointed on and toward the main thing, to the thing that is good. Third, passion creates accessibility. Accessibility. You see, there's a saying that interested people are interesting. The uninspired people are uninspiring, conversely. When we are passionate about something, we are able to, to be, uh, to, you know, we have an appeal, we are interesting, and we are able to connect, able to connect because of our passions. Now, if you're a senior or if you're an adult, and you've experienced this where you have been passionate and someone actually wrote you off because you were too passionate about something, it's mostly because they were perhaps intimidated by how passionate you were and couldn't see a way for them to fit into your place. And that's okay. That's okay. So when it came to Sarah... Yep, here we are again. When it came to Sarah, um, I had spent a long and dreary season of my life, even into parts of seminary, um, where I was drawn to gals who, um, who maybe had a little bit of brokenness in them. And, uh, and this is, you know, this is vulnerability here, me talking to you about this. But um, the main appeal for me, I think, and this is, you know, what my mentor even helped me see, the main appeal was that I saw a brokenness that I could step in and fix. And then if I could fix this person, I would be needed by them and appreciated by them. And there's a word for that. Um, we'll get to that in just a second here. Um, but it was, it's not a healthy way to live. 
Because I was mostly, I was mostly determining the worthiness of, of this person to date and perhaps, you know, marry based on how broken they were and how much they would need me in their lives. And it always presented this mess that then left me brokenhearted, even if I was the one to end the relationship. And so this mentor of mine, when those words came out, you don't need to fix her. The mentor was right. I, God had led me to a person that was, that was passionate, and I didn't quite realize it, but what, I, what drew me to Sarah was that, she, one, she was incredibly smart, smarter than I'll ever be. Okay. Um, two, that, uh, that she had this world going on. She loved music and all kinds of music and music I had never heard. And, and she played the flute and she was in like the better band and all that stuff. And, <laughs> you know, and like, and she had this great friend group, like all kinds of friends, guys and girls. And, and it just was, they were healthy and they were, they had things, she had things going on. And, and I thought, I stepped back and I thought about that. And I thought, man, my mentor's right. This is good. <laughs> it's good. And, well, coincidentally, Sarah was the last person I dated, and we've been married. <laughs> I, I suppose that's obvious. Um, <laughs> I won't say that second service. Um, <laughs> you know, still working things out. Not us. My message. Um, <laughs> so... But, um, but it was, that was it. Like God had brought me to a place that was healthy, and then I started to live passionately. So here's the other thing about passion, and this is so important. The, there are three things that passion will also purge. One, codependency. And that's the word I was talking about earlier. You see, I was, I was finding my purpose in my worth in someone else needing me. When we step into our passions and then we live into them, then we, we step away from that because our passions and our, our Father gives us who we are in our identity. It helps us step away from apathy, from just going through the world because we're out of control and don't have anything to give to it. It steps us away from self-pity. When we're passionate about things, we don't see the world as much as how it's treating us, but we see the world in the ways that we can engage in it. So my advice, seniors this morning, and to everyone who is uh, living in the postgraduate world already, my direction, my call from Christ and Paul's words is to live passionately. We can be passionate about all things, but I also encourage you to let your greatest passion be in Christ. To let him, through his spirit, through his word, dwell in you richly and let it flow forth from you as a light that comes out in song, in breath, in life, in love. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, you are good you walk with us and you watch us. And no doubt, there are so many times you bang your head against a wall, whatever that looks like in heaven, and you, and you just kind of shrug your shoulders as we uh, try to put things together. But Lord, you love us and you take joy in us and you desire for us 
to live passionately for you, for your world, and for your way. So we pray as we hear this message that we can live passionately for what matters to us, that you will help us see what we have been called and created to be passionate about, how you have gifted us and how you have put us together uniquely, that we might celebrate that and live freely in your light because you have set us free to live passionately in you. Lord, we lift up this world around us and we pray that our passions will meet the world's greatest needs. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.